I can't believe you recorded or you just like chatted for half an hour while I kept you. Well, waiting. we, we, we is, had zero idea. That's what such we were a gonna, will thing to do. Well, and we I was zero qu- idea the quietest. What we were talk I, was, about. I had my mic muted. I was I was writing something. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was the one who was like shooting the shit with Jules. <laughs> I'm innocent here. I didn't do anything. You're never innocent. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm innocent here in this moment of time. Just this once. Traitor. Welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. We are recording this on September 21st, 2022. Happy, well, it was it was a couple of days ago now, but happy uh, Adnan Syed release day uh, for all who celebrate. That was a thing. I listened to The Daily yesterday and it was literally just an episode of Serial. It was very <laughs> weird, but amazing. I missed it a lot. As always, Ara Wagner, welcome. How are you? Uh... Wishing I'd gone and gotten a refill on my Coke, but I'm good. I need more caffeine. It's okay. I'm going to spend the next five minutes making fun of Will, so you can go off and, and do that. It'll be fine. Will Saddleberg, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I just want to say that the serial theme song still slaps uh, eight years later. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. good. <laughs> I forgot. How One good of my it favorite is. parts of um, Only Murders in the Building yeah. is the fact that they've like remixed the serial theme song <laughs> as the main theme music throughout the, the series it's it's lovely it's yeah. really good but yeah highly recommend you listen to the episode that was released yesterday it was a serial episode i just they happen to like also have it in the daily feed which is listened to by you know almost as many people as the android police podcast roughly um how's your week been will uh it's been pretty good yeah it's it's, it's going well i've been playing with this new iphone thinking about it thinking about if it's bad or not talking about Always on displays. Yeah. Always on's display. No, that, that doesn't work. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but we're going to front load this week with Google stuff because last week we front loaded with iPhone stuff. It's only and I fair. Think, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's normal. Uh, we're going back to our, our regular cadence, but there are a bunch of Pixel Tensor, Pixel Watch rumors to go through. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about cases, Ara's favorite topic. And then we'll talk about always on displays because that's been in the news a lot lately. And I want to talk about the Apple Watch Ultra at the end because the review embargo lifted this morning. I've watched and read like every, this is a thing that I I want to want, but I know that I have no reason to buy it. So maybe you guys can talk me off that ledge, not only for the fact that I'm not an iPhone user most of the year, but also just that it's a stupid, expensive accessory. But let's get into the meat of it. Tensor G2, we know the name. It's official by Google. There is a developer slash newly crowned leaker extraordinaire whose name I'm going to butcher. Uh, I'm I'm sorry about this. Kuba Wachikowski, I think. That was Wachikowski. a good effort, I think. I, it's better than I would have done. He is... I wouldn't say new on the scene, but has recently gotten access to source code um, and just knows where to look in places. Got a bunch of information about the G2 that is relevant to us. And uh, let's walk through it. So what we know about the upcoming successor to the Google Tensor is that it will have the same core structure as the original, which means two Cortex-X1 cores, two Cortex-A76 cores, and four A55 efficiency cores. However, this year, the actual 
chip will be built on a four nanometer process, so it'll be more efficient, and that the cores themselves are going to be clocked 100 megahertz faster than they were on the Tensor. So all of this is kind of leading up to the question of, is it a big enough upgrade, considering a lot of people found the Pixel 6 to be hot, right? It runs hot, it throttles really quickly, especially in gaming. And we do have a little bit more detail about the GPU, which we'll talk about in a second. But overall, Will, like, what was your impression when you read through this spec list? Yeah, I mean, we knew about the efficiency cores, the, the A55 cores, since like June, I think. And so so really the bigger news is coming from all of the clusters are, are relatively, you know, they're, they're the same clusters, just running faster and, and built uh, smaller, I guess, or the, the chip is smaller. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think this shouldn't be super surprising to anyone who has kind of like paid attention to the Pixel 7. It really feels like a, a, a Pixel 6S to steal Apple's old terminology for it. It doesn't seem like it's something that's supposed to be getting Pixel 6 owners to trade their devices in this year. And so on the other hand, like, I don't know, it's following a trend we've seen this year of like every manufacturer really focusing on like really iterative upgrades, not expecting anyone who bought a phone in 2021 or maybe even 2020 to to buy a phone. Going into this year, the financial forecast was uncertain. Yeah. It's still, still is. uncertain now. <laughs> uh, so I feel like this being the year that's like, we're just going to play it safe and just do like, this is the year of the S upgrade. This is the yeah. year of the iteration because we don't want to take a big gamble when there's a market that will punish you as harshly as it would this year. The Pixel 6 does run a little hot. I I don't know if speed has ever been the issue with my experience with it. So I'm not too concerned about, uh, oh, it's it's only, it's bumped up by 100 meg, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, megahertz. Gigaflops. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, none of that concerns me. Like, it's going to perform well. Whatever you throw at it, I think it'll perform well. My concern is still like, is the battery going to drain as fast as it does right now? Because my Pixel 6 is like, even on the newest software that they've pushed out for it is still noticeably worse battery life than every other phone that is currently on my uh, desk right now, which is six or six pro six. Okay. Hopefully, you know, building it as a four nanometer chip will improve that, but I would expect it will have a meaningful impact on efficiency. I hope. I also so. think I've had very few battery problems. I've, I've never used a six for longer than a couple of days. So my benchmark is, is the six pro, but battery has been good throughout on the 6 Pro. I think a lot of people have had bad battery because they have compromised signal where they are and the Tensor's modem is garbage, right? Right, so, well, I was going to get to that. Yeah, that's what I really want out of a, uh, a Pixel 7 upgrade, but it, I don't think we're going to get much there either. We'll see. I do. I think there are going to be significant improvements to power efficiency and performance on the new modem. It's not a modem that's been used before. Right, the, right. The, this new Samsung. It is modem. going to be a Samsung modem, obviously, but I have faith that they have cleared up a lot of the problems. It should also be based on the new radio release 16 features, which do have a whole bunch of efficiency improvements in the spec. So that alone is going to be just an improvement in general for people, but it's not going to be comparable to Qualcomm, right? Like we know this, it's still going to trail Qualcomm's X65, which is in basically every single flagship Android phone and the new iPhones 14 by a significant margin. 
but I don't think that the delta between the flagships from Samsung and Apple and the flagship from Google will be as great in 2022 as it was in 2021. That said, Google's been known to disappoint us before. Yeah, it's just I'm just keeping my expectations locked in the basement right now, considering we've already seen so much of this phone. There's so little left for us to see. If I want to have any excitement left on launch day, I just got to be like, I purposely don't care. I purposely don't want to see anything. Well, and the, and the pixel weeks. magic always comes from the software stuff they're going to announce on stage anyway. Yeah. Like, like the stuff that's going to get you excited is something we don't know about unless it really leaks like right beforehand when marketing images come out. So like it's not even a hardware thing. What's going to be exciting is whatever software surprises they have. I also love the fact that they're making meaningful improvements to the GPU this year. So what it looks like is that there's going to be a Mali G710 in there, which is not only a much better GPU, but it's also 20% more efficient than the one that's inside the Pixel 6 series. And as I said at the beginning, like that runs hot. It throttles very, very quickly. And even though I'm not a huge gamer, there is also an aspect of the GPU that's affecting photo and video processing. So a lot of Google's magic sauce comes through the GPU. So that's also going to be something to keep in mind that we might see faster photo and video processing as well, hopefully just better video quality overall, but that your phone is not going to be like a hand warmer after 10 minutes of Diablo Immortal because you know you're still playing that. You know you're still giving Blizzard all your money. You just got to admit it. They got you. There's a joke here somewhere with Blizzard and, and hand warmer. Ah, I'll yeah, get back to there it. Is. Um, think about it. <laughs> I think overall, like we've seen the phone, right? We know basically everything there is to know about it. But Google has traditionally like pulled a rabbit out of a hat at its announcements. Um, and I think alongside this, with you know, we'll talk about the Pixel Watch now. There's just uh, I think a lot to be excited for in 2022. So we have pricing. Ara, we have pricing for this thing. It aligns with what we expected, given where the best Fitbits are, the best Galaxy watches are, but it still feels expensive. Let's yeah, let's talk about that. It's I don't give a damn what the Fitbits are priced at. Three fifty is too high for this thing. <laughs> is it? I'm sorry, guys. I we aren't particularly confident in the power and the processor and the system on chip that is being used inside of the Pixel Watch. And the battery. It's already. Yeah, and the battery, it's late to the party. So this is going to be a first-gen device that is going to be going through all of the growing pains because this is also going to be basically the first device to get Google's implementation of Wear OS 3, well, 3.5. I'm not super confident in this watch. I want it to work, but it's also a watch with a lot of caveats in a field that already has mature, sophisticated competitors. So I don't see spending the extra $70 on a Pixel Watch over a Galaxy Watch 5 unless Google does something to literally blow us all away in the software. Because hardware on paper, this does not look like it is worth $350. Yeah, that's true. I just think this is being positioned as an Apple Watch competitor. But it's not. It's It can't be an Apple Watch competitor until we know that it is quality. It's also weird. Like, I, I know that's what they're thinking of it as, like, right down to the design. You got to earn the well, prestige like, and luxury thing. You but, can't just price it like that and hope that everybody thinks that it'll be that. We've seen how that did with the Pixels. I don't know if anyone's competing with the Apple Watch right now. I reviewed the Galaxy Watch 5, I the, or I, I haven't reviewed it, but I've used a, a, an Apple Watch. Like, it 
the Apple Watch like is kind of still it, it's it's still just a little ahead and I don't know if this will be the thing and they're they're aiming for it the the watch I think looks a lot like if you've made a Apple Watch round and the band system looks identical to the one Apple uses I just I don't know. Like I, I see what they're doing, but at $350, like I would really urge people to not pre-order and wait for reviews on this thing. Yeah. I think Google is going to try to do a whole bunch of stuff to bundle this with the phones and make trade-ins a little bit more enticing. But if you have any experience with pixel hardware over the years, it would be in your best interest to wait. Probably not even until the reviews. Wait a couple of months until they've released subsequent updates to fix the inevitable bugs that come in the first version. Probably, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, it's coming out in mid-October and Black Friday is a month later. Depending on what the initial sales are like, even if this watch was perfectly fine and functional, I would not buy it on launch day. I would wait for the reviews and then buy it on Black Friday because you know it's going to get a discount. And that'll take it down to like 300 275 which is right at the Galaxy Watch 5 and will better compete with it except that the Watch 5 will probably be down to like 200 or something on Black Friday. That's true. Yeah. That's fair. That's another point is like, is it going to be that much better? Are there enough Pixel owners that are going to jump at the chance to own the Pixel Watch? Or are there enough Samsung owners that are going to think a Pixel Watch is a better option for me? And I, I just don't know. The value prop here is unclear right now. I will say I reviewed the Watch 5 it was paired to my Pixel 6 and it definitely like Samsung Health in particular was like really not treating the battery well like at all. So like, you know, maybe if you're like a diehard Pixel fan, like the Pixel Watch might be better because you don't need to run it's, four yeah, additional Samsung bad. apps on your phone. I mean, I also set Samsung Health on the Pixel to not run all of the like advanced body tracking from the what, phone because I mean, that's I probably what it was 5, doing like, i didn't yeah i didn't dive deep into the settings i just noticed i reviewed the small one i reviewed the watch 5 and it was paired to a pixel 6a during the review period so yeah it's still a slightly second class experience when you're yeah. pairing it with a non samsung phone but i'm willing to bet that the experience that you would get with a samsung watch on a pixel phone is still going to beat the experience that you will get with a pixel watch on a samsung phone handily You know, it's funny. I was actually, I have this idea for an editorial that I've been noodling and it's this idea of like the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro sound better than the Pixel Buds Pro, but I enjoy using the Pixel Buds Pro way more. And that's true of any phone. It doesn't matter if it's paired to a Galaxy phone or a Pixel or anything. Like the, the Pixel Buds are just a, I feel like a better product and I don't know why. And it just does come back to that Pixel-ness the way Google puts its hardware together with its software, um, I enjoy using Google products more generally than I do Samsung products. And I think that is what is going to lend this an air of respectability. It just, as as Jewel says, like, this can't be a Nexus watch. It can't be <laughs> a developer-centric buggy mess that people just forgive because it's Google. It can't you know? be a Pixel 6 watch. <laughs> no, it can't. It has to be a Pixel 6S watch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so now we know that it's going to cost 350 According to some reporting today, it will come in four colorways. Ara, what do you think? Obsidian, chalk, charcoal, and hazel, or otherwise known as black, silver, kind of silver, and gold. 
I'm so disappointed. I mean, in the these colors and the straps that will come with them. Yeah, I was it's gonna like, say. The especially the ones that will come bundled with the watch because it does not sound like any like bold color options will be available will be paired with a watch at purchase. You will have to buy separate bands if you want any personality with the watch because we've got black with black. We have the hazel with I want to say it was like that weird green, and then we have a silver watch with a chalk white band, and we have a silver watch with a charcoal black band. I love colors. I love discussing colors. There is no color in this watch, which is not great considering, like, Apple has fun colors for their watches, Samsung has fun colors for their watches, and Google is here with just grayscale. You want color? Gotta go buy a separate proprietary band for probably 20 bucks a pop. No, this is Google. It'll be 30 bucks a pop. Maybe color costs more this year. They're giving you a discount by taking all the color away. Ugh. I know it's just a muted year, right? The Pixel Seven colors are the same. Yeah, it matches yeah. the Pixel Seven yeah. and Seven Pro. Google does this where every once in a while, like it's a it's a neon year, and they'll release like purplish or bright green, and then the next year it'll just oh, God, it'll all be I would shades pay of gray. For a purple Pixel Seven, just like a neon purple Pixel Seven. The Pixel Seven, like the smaller one, does have some nice color though. Do not talk to me about lemongrass. That is crap. <laughs> no, it's not crap. It's lovely. I like it. Ew. I know we, dis- we disagreed on this before. Previously, yeah. But uh, no, I-, I like it. Well, I'm also just upset at the Pixel 7 series for that bronze accent color on a number of the models because I'm just like, silver is a more respectable color and an easier color to match things to. Don't judge is- before, like you ha- before like- you've seen it. <laughs> I like It never bronze. looks the same as in renders. Like you've been doing this long enough to know that. I know. But I also know I've been doing this long enough to know that I'm somebody who likes to, like, coordinate things a little bit more and nothing will coordinate with that bronze. More bronze. Exactly. (laughs) More. Oh, that exact shade of bronze. We're going to have to go out and find, like, jewelry or accessories for that? No. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not far away now. It's like two weeks away. Um, You will. It is 15 days out. You'll be at I the event in New York that. with uh, our, our news editor, Stephen Shank. Yep, we will uh, be there. Very excited about that. Yep. Um, this is going to be like your first, we're throwing you into the fire is what we're doing. Yeah, yep. more or less. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to finally go to an event. Can you precisely articulate your your feelings of anxiety <laughs> for, the, for the audience? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I... I Steven and I will crush it. It's going to go well. I started working at Android Police during the pandemic, so there has just not been a whole lot of like hands-on opportunities. It's mm-hmm. been all remote stuff, and it's cool that I will uh, you know, get to go to an actual uh, uh, thing, a live thing. Wait, this is your first live in-person yeah. show, like, period? Yeah. Oh, dude, you're going to have so much fun. Yeah, no, it'll so be great. I'm- also, I'm jealous because the only one I've been to in person so far is a small Qualcomm event in New York, and I kind of want to go to like a Pixel thing or I.O. at some point. If we ever get back to in-person I.O. Yeah, then the next time they do like an accessory showcase, all right, you're there. Hey, CES is in three months. God help us all. God help <laughs> us all. This is a, a bit of a, a good transition to talking about the case topic that you wanted to bring up, Ara, but yesterday we also learned that there will be another round of these Pixel 6 cases for the Pixel 7s, the the weird kind of texture that doesn't seem to age very well. And I don't know if anybody likes these cases, but at the very least, they look a little bit more robust. And I'm sure Google has learned 
from some of the mistakes in manufacturing. It seems like it. Yeah. I think they've learned how to make it a little bit more durable, so that way, hopefully, it doesn't just flex all the way around the sides of the Pixel 7 Pro the way the Pixel 6 Pro case did. Yeah, they've reinforced the buttons. Yeah. This is still a case that looks like it has very, very low lips around the screen and around the camera module, and it looks like it still is just a... I don't even think the lip around the camera module is as far out and wide as the camera module itself, which means that if your phone is flat on a table, it's going to be slightly leaning on that lower edge of the camera module and not leaning on a case. And I'm not down with that because that just also means that if you slam the phone down hard, the first thing that hits is your camera module and that breaks one of the most important things on a Pixel. Yeah, I mean, it's a case, right? I haven't used a case on this year's Pixel phones and I feel fine with that. But you wanted to talk about cases on foldables. Will and I have folds, you have a flip. Let's talk about that, right? Like this is a topic that nobody thinks about, but everybody buys a case. It's just the first thing you do when you buy a new phone. You buy a case, some people buy screen protectors, but like generally people just cover their beautiful phones with ugly cases. And hey, there are as, beautiful cases out there and there's nothing uglier than spending $1,800 and having it turn into a paperweight because it fell out of your slippery hands. So let's talk about that. This is a burgeoning industry. A lot of our favorite case makers are experimenting with how to fit cases around folding phones, around the hinges, accommodating for that additional movement. What's your case for cases on foldables? The biggest problem that I'm running into now that I'm like actively using, I'm trying to switch cases like every two or three days just so I try more of these and get more experience with more of these. I put on the Samsung silicone cover with ring a day and a half ago and it came off this morning because I just couldn't take it anymore because it just clings so terribly trying to get in and out of my pocket. But what struck me the most is like, we have thin cases, we have thick cases, and then we have the stuff in the middle, which I would usually, most of it tends more towards the light side than the heavy duty side. And on a foldable, you can't say that unless it is a very like specific, like polycarbonate shell and nothing else case, everything else is thick because you have to have it twice. And that's throwing me a little bit because even like, I've been dreading putting the Caseology Parallax on there because I love this case. I know I want to keep that case on the phone full time if I can. So I'm trying to do it last. But even just putting on the Samsung silicone case, putting on the uh, iBlast and Cosmo series, I put on the SEP case uh, UB Pro today. And the moment I finished and actually paid attention to the phone with the case on it, I was like, this feels like a tank. Yeah. Especially because it's so small. It's like, I feel like I could throw this at something and break a window. I mean, that's especially true of the Fold, and I've, I had a case on the Fold 3, and I, I hated it, and I, this is the official Samsung, like, leather case, so, like, arguably the best case you could buy for the Fold 3, and this year I actually decided I would go with a D-brand skin, and that's what I've been using on my Fold 4, and it's been amazing, because my main issue with the Folds have been the backs, right? Holding onto this massive thing with a slippery glass back. You put something with a little bit of friction on it and it makes holding it a lot easier. I have had zero problems with this thing on a table. I think it looks great. And, you know, this is not an endorsement for dbrand at all, but it's more just about like, this is a really hard problem to solve. This phone is heavy. It's thick. Adding anything to it. Like Zag sent me this case 
that was probably the worst product I've ever received. Uh, is this the one that folds in on itself? It's so, so bad. I've also designed, tried this. Will. It's, it's really, it's really it's bad. Like they should be ashamed for yeah. releasing a product this bad. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the hinge literally doesn't work. Uh, in it my doesn't experience. work. Yeah. Oh. They wanted to make it a single piece. Yeah. One as that, a result, yeah. you have to create a piece of plastic that moves with the hinge and it just does not work. It catches on itself. But that is the problem that a lot of these companies are trying to solve. And they're charging like $70 yeah. for a case because there's so much material. Oh, that's 70 is like the minimum for fold cases. Like subcases fold four case is like 110 bucks. That's and I money. just, I love subcase. That's too high, man. Cap it at like 90, maybe 100. And then you have coupons whenever you can. But yeah, the pricing on these is also exorbitant considering this is actually a problem that is a very old problem in our industry because we used to have phones that like had uh, folding and moving pieces all the time. Like we had a generation of sliders and other phones that had like kickbacks and flips and things like that. And we had cases for all these phones. Yeah, and they but just, all those they were cases all made sucked. Of plastic. Yeah, they were all made of plastic and they all sucked. I, I had those. No, no, no. The, the phones were made of oh, plastic. Oh, the phones were made of plastic too, but so, so you were didn't the cases. Need cases they, for them. I like hated you could them. use one, but that's the difference. It's like in the, in the days of like the sidekick, you didn't need a case because the whole thing was just made of crappy plastic. Yeah, also like my first phone was like a razor. How many times did I probably drop it? Nothing happened yeah, to you it. You can't phase it, that. Yeah, like it was fine. Like it, it probably got scuffed. I don't remember, but that was it. Yeah. Every phone today is like two sides of ma- like a massive slab of glass on both sides. Glass and metal, metal rails. <laughs> yeah. But, but for most of the foldables, that was the solution is we go back to these cases that just kind of like clip around the edges. We have TPU, so it looks prettier, but it's still just like, okay, it's just kind of grip around the edge and the sides. And we're going to have to have a little bit of a gap between the two pieces because that's the only, you can't have allowances that small for cases, especially. And then you have adhesives when you need things to be ultra precise. And I say that because the precision is important. Otterbox did not include adhesives with the Symmetry Series Flex for the Flip 4. And the top of that case would slide up and down on my Flip 4, which is not great considering that's the side with all of the buttons. I hate that we have adhesive. I know that we need it. And I pray that case makers will start including more replacement adhesive with their cases in case. Because, I mean, every now and again, it's like, okay, I got to get the phone open to get the SIM in or out. I have to take off this case and clean something. Especially for foldables, since we have adhesives involved, your purchase decision is going to be more important than ever. Because if you're trying to take a case with adhesive off of this phone... There is a constant fear that just like, okay, I'm going to just twist this the wrong way and I'm just going to break this thing in half or I'm just going to tear the screen. And I've changed cases five times. It hasn't gone away yet. Every single time that I'm going to like put a case on or take a case off, I'm just like, God, I hope I'm not flipping this or folding this the wrong way. I mean, we talk about this a lot with the way we use products, but we are the exception. We should not think about having to change cases more than once every six months. But I do think it's just worth bringing up that In addition to spending all of this money on a product that companies like Samsung are telling you are more robust than ever, you don't have to treat them differently than a regular phone, although you do, there are other aspects to owning a foldable and will continue to be something that you have to consider as they become more common in that the accessories themselves are also less reliable. 
right? Because of the complexity of the hinge, and that will never go away, you can never have a foldable without a hinge, the case makers are going to have to make more and more unique and I think overcome interesting engineering challenges to ensure that they work properly. Yeah. Although I will say it's not about people changing cases every six months. Although for some of us, like for me, when I'm on a regular phone, I have a case that I wear during the day that has a pop socket on it. And I switch to a case without a pop socket at night. So it'll charge wirelessly correctly. That is a fringe case, but there's also a lot of people will just like, this looks good out of a collection. I'm going to buy this and try it. And then if I don't like it, I'll just buy another case. You don't want to be buying cases, not liking them and then taking them back off until you find one that works, which is unfortunate because for a lot of cases, I can describe everything in perfect detail, but until you get a case in your hand, you might not know whether or not you really like it or not. But just weeding out the cases that have technical flaws is such a challenge on cases when they're this expensive and this complicated to even just to install and uninstall. Like how many regular like slab phone cases have to come with instructions for putting them on other than like the multi-layer, like cage-like cases that you get from Subcase and OtterBox. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this is like, it's not a problem that will be solved immediately, right? Like you want to make sure that your $1,800 investment stays in good shape and it's a compromise, right? Any case, any screen protector, it, it is a compromise. It changes the way that you use your product. But I do think that companies are using this as an excuse to ramp up prices, right? It's not like it takes subcase $25 to create one of these cases. I mean, their margins are freaking enormous, right? It's just, it's exactly the same thing that's happening in the smartphone industry itself. They are using this as an opportunity to ramp up margins because it's a premium product and you're gonna have to pay those premium prices. I mean, the official Fold 4 case from Samsung is like, what is it, $80 or $70? It's crazy. Depends on the model. Some of their, uh, the Espen cases, I believe $90. The non-Espen cases, I think were 70 for the Fold. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's an interesting problem. And then also the thing you wanted to bring up are is that like a lot of our favorite case makers are not making cases for the phones that we own, right? Because iPhone made for Apple or made for iPhone is still a massive business. Amazingly and, enough, this was not a topic that I put in. This is Will's. Yeah, this Go is ahead. me ranting. Oh, sorry. I no, you're fine. You, it sounds not. like no, an aura fine. thing. But but yeah, it, it was literally like my favorite smartphone uh, case maker. Like other than like literally one case a year for one Samsung phone only makes stuff for for Apple. It's smartish. I don't know if, if people have have played around with smartish cases, but they're they're very basic. They're great. They're very but grippy. You only. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they age well. Like they they can take a, a bunch of hits and not really like show it. Um, yeah, so I I just I I got a new one for this iPhone 14 Pro Max that I have, and and I was like, this is just all I want. And I don't need. I just want like the most basic. Because for me, not to like linger on this, but the reason I'm really using a case, and it's why I haven't really wanted one on the the fold. To be honest, isn't even so much protection. I actually don't drop my phone that often. It's literally just like I find phones a little too thin. <laughs> in my hand like they're kind of uncomfortable and so all i'm really looking to do is add like a little bit of grip and and thickness to it and the fold is so thick especially when it's closed that like it doesn't even bother me yeah i i I get that i i'm the same way but i actually i'm i agree with you that like when it's open you almost want it to be a little bit thicker yeah i agree and when it's closed you want it to be a little bit thinner yeah obviously that's the that's the compromise you make with owning a foldable yeah the, the one good thing there is that like it's so big when it's open that i can kind of like grip it in the like bottoms of my 
home but yeah i don't know whatever yeah. it's 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 finding ways to, to hold it comfortably and i yeah. mean for smartest smartest is a great company but the only cases they make for android are only for the galaxy s series and it's just the and they're only case. the wallet cases yeah. which it's a very good wallet case it's not what most people would use i don't think i've ever heard of this company oh they're based out of austin yeah. i need to reach out to them the next time i go home their signature thing is like the the edges of their cases uh, have like little tiny ridges in them where your fingers kind of just slot without you thinking about it. They just feel really comfortable. That's the biggest thing for me. My favorite part is that they use the words tough sheet to uh, <laughs> advertise their screen protector. So I yep. am all in. You're in. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Will, yeah. you had a very spicy take. <laughs> On Apple's AOD, um, always on display. Mm -hmm. Apple's hubris is standing between the iPhone and a fully baked always on display. This is a funny, one of those funny things that keeps coming up in conversations this year because iOS 16 takes, and and the iPhone 14 take a lot of liberties and they borrow a lot of things that were first on Android. um, Although who gives a shit? But realistically, like there are some things that Apple did well with iOS 16, lock screen widgets being one of them, and not so well the AOD. Why do you think Apple is guilty of, of hubris in this respect? We've, as Android users, have had basically the same general idea of an always on display for like almost a decade, right? Like we have not come far from what was on the original Moto X, Rest right? in peace, beautiful. I know, I know. Um, They've evolved a bit, right? They look visually different, but at their core, like almost every Android phone is the same idea, which is like a small amount of pixels will stay lit on an AMOLED display. It'll be mostly white. Maybe you'll have like some colorful icons or whatever, but like for the most part, it's just white text and a black background and it's pretty dim and it's not, you don't really pay attention to it unless you need to. And Apple was like, yeah no we know how they've been doing it we don't want to do it that way so instead what they've done is basically just your it's your lock screen but it's it's a dimmer version of it which means that like it's completely lit up like if you have a colorful wallpaper it is that color it's just a dimmed version of that colorful wallpaper if you have a darker wallpaper it it is a little less noticeable but apple is really pushing you to set a colorful wallpaper with their lock screen stuff so it's probably going to be how most people see it is with a lot of color, uh, which is very bright at night in a dark room where you're trying to sleep. It's it's like, I mean, this is this is completely unscientific, but like four times as bright as the Pixel 6 I had sitting next to it. Like I, it's actually emitting light, which they, they didn't make an AOD. They made a nightlight out of this. Thing. So <laughs> like full up nightlight. A, a good way to describe it, I have this in the article, is John Gruber at Daring Fireball, which is a, an Apple blog, wrote his review, and I read it last week uh, right before I got my phone, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about the way he described it, which is that this is an actually on screen, not an always on screen. It's not a different interface. It's the same interface that if you tapped the phone to wake it up, it would be there. Because instead of just relying on OLED displays and like pixels being turned off to save battery life or not really impact your battery life, they're using an LTPO display to ratchet the refresh rate down to one hertz when you're not using it. So it's not at 60 frames per second, right? Which is fine and an interesting idea, but like, I really don't think it's very useful. Like I think most people should probably turn it off if they're not using it because it is impacting battery life. And 
yeah, I'm really frustrated because I think if Apple had done a really good job with a new take on always on displays, we could have seen Android manufacturers, whether it's Google or Samsung, like kind of adopt those ideas in their own way. And instead, it's just kind of like, oh, this is a really good lesson in how not to do it. Glad we can just stick with what we've been doing. Yeah. I mean, I think they will make this change. Mm -hmm. Like, I I feel like what's going to happen here is Apple thought that this use case of putting it next to your bed or putting it down on a desk and just like only wanting to see the bare minimum of information or that the idea of an always on display is actually to provide you with a density that is akin to what your phone is like when it's actually on. They didn't QC this enough. Like the hubris is that they didn't buy any freaking Android phones. (laughs) I agree. They should have just bought a bunch of Android phones and tested them and seen how useful this minimalist always on display is because they've been great since the original Moto X. We're talking nine years ago when the first Moto X was released, Google's Motorola did this best. And it's only actually gotten worse from there because Motorola has moved away from that. But like the original always on display, it had the like you got, ring you could like you slide. got notifications. Yeah. It had the icons. Yep, it was and, beautiful. Yep. It was elegant. Yep. It just worked. You could interact with it without actually turning the screen all the way on. Yeah. You're right because it, it had wonderful. those sensors. Yeah, that would detect movement as you got. Well, that closer was the 2014. The, well, yes, is that right? Yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Let me say a couple things on, on all of this. So first of all, the Apple always on display is both more density packed and also like less. So you are still seeing full notifications, not, for example, like icons, which is mostly what you see on both. You know, I have I have a Pixel 6 and the Fold 4 in front of me, right? So I have like a on both. It's just little icons. And if I tap the screen on, it'll actually show me that like my Amazon package is 10 stops away on iOS. It's the full notification at the bottom of the screen like it is on iOS 16, which means that like it's just a stack of here is all of the text that my package is 10 stops away. Right. And then below it is a Twitter notification, but it's just the first seven words of it because it's cut off and it's like half the Twitter icon. The Twitter icon is cut off. And then below that is a ring icon because my mailman came while we were recording and the ring icon is cut off and it just says there is motion at your front dot 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 so like it's all this additional text that isn't there on either of the other phones but it's not really giving me any actual additional like i don't need any of that it's just kind of there because that's what's on my lock screen right now the second thing is that in theory so for example if i'm playing media because it's on my lock screen the media player is on the always on display because that's how apple does it you still have to tap So like, let's say you want to go to the next song, you have to tap your screen on and then tap go to the next song because the widget doesn't actually work from the always on display. So even though you can see it, you can see all the playback controls. It doesn't work because it's running at one hertz. And so you need to like wake the phone up and then still do it. So why is it there? I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they will correct this. There is no part of me that's like right now it's literally just a toggle. But yes. Over time, I think they will add granularity to it for sure. I They'll just think they probably have like a low power or de- like desk side mode or whatever. Yeah, it, it's well, they just... need like a night mode for it because during the day, having the wallpaper on is wasting battery. But okay, at night, you don't want to see any of that crap. <laughs> Someone in the comments, I think it was in the comments, said like, I believe they said just turn it over. Uh, and I was like, well, then why is it 
Then what's oh, the it point? Oh, it was switch it into sleep focus, which turns the display off at night. And I was like, but then, but then why the is it on? then the whole feature is off. <laughs> like, yeah, then, like, then I'm not using the always on display anyway. Because like the, the thing I want is I don't have an alarm clock next to my bed, but I like being able to use the always on display on every other Android phone to check the time without having to wake the screen up because it's dim enough that it doesn't, you know, hit my eyes and, and hurt my eyes. And, you know, this is not the same. So anyway, that's my piece on that. Go read it for a, probably a better breakdown than I just gave. But it's just not good. And it's sad because like as much as it's an Apple thing and not an Android thing, like I think if it had been good, we could have seen the always on display kind of evolve over the next few years as, as companies like take ideas and make them better and it's just not going to happen here. Not right now, at least. Well, so long as they don't take the bad idea and, and, <laughs> well, and emulate that, too, just to be I don't think more like will. Apple. I'm not alone in thinking this is bad. I, I Every iPhone 14 Pro review I've read seems at the very least like mixed on the always on display. I, I do think Daniel's right in that they are going to change this. Yeah, they have to. All right. Let's finish the show with a couple of quick points. The LG rollable phone was a thing that was in development before the company decided to shut down its mobile division. We'd seen leaks on it. We'd kind of gotten as much information as we could. This was supposed to be released in 2021. It was canceled along with all of LG's other projects on the mobile side, although it is still supporting some of its uh, phones for three years, I believe. So if you have an LG phone... Uh, you're not completely out of luck. But anyway, a Korean YouTube channel, Geolit Research Institute. They have really good production quality. So uh, this is not their first rodeo. But anyway, they got what I believe to be is probably one of the few finished LG rollable samples. It's in a box. They unboxed it. They opened it. They turned it on. It runs Android. It's really weird. It looks very cool. As you would expect with a rollable phone, unlike a flip or a foldable, the screen expands with a rollable OLED, and it's there's a motor in it that moves the phone screen. It expands it slowly. It then makes the screen bigger as you use it, and you can adjust it as you need it. It is, I think, something that will never take off, right? If you think about the way that we are moving, foldables have moving parts, but they're mechanical. They're not powered. And this, I think, would pose some significant issues for long-term quality control and support would just be a nightmare for this. We've also seen TCL release demos of phones with rollable displays. But yeah, there's some, I mean, if you if you go to like 724, you can see some hinkiness in the display. It physically moves. It's plastic around the OLED. So that plastic, if you think like there are issues with the crease on a foldable phone, like this just takes it to the next level. It's bad. But the idea here, I think, Will, is pretty sound. Yeah, I mean, like, it's the gadget nerd in me is like, I'm going to ignore all of the issues. Like, I just looked at the the time code you were talking about. It's like, yeah, that does not look good, but I want it. I want it real bad. I wish it had shipped. I feel like we were actually like really close to this shipping. And I think it would have been like stupid, expensive and a disaster and a phone we would recommend to no one. But boy, do I wish I had one. You know what I mean? It's such a cool idea and such a like I've really enjoyed the the fold four, but the idea of like being able to expand the screen without the hinge, without the thickness that comes with this is like really cool. Also, like because of the fact that the rollable display is always wrapped around the phone, it actually gives you a rear display. Yeah. Similar to what you see on a foldable in the front, 
you get some of that display back when the phone is closed. Although I don't know why you would use this. You want to talk about like phones that are impossible to put in a case. <laughs> like, yeah. oh what would you even, there's nothing you can do here. It's, it's, it's the whole thing is a screen except for like one slip on the back, like the, where the cameras are like, yeah, there's, you literally can't protect this. And then the screen's plastic. So like, and it's plastic on both sides. It's not even like the fold where at least you have some protection. Like God, this thing would age like milk. Like it would look, it would, well, it would be would unusable. Ta- in like two you months. would not have a case for this. This is the kind of thing that is like, you would have like a dedicated sleeve so that like, yeah, I guess no so. Yeah. It's in it. No, your keys don't scratch it. It would be, we would go back to the age of hip pouches and whatnot that are just literally there to like cushion the front and back of your phone. Yeah, I still think it would. I mean, like, I have not been super hard on my Fold 4, and it's, like, even the inner screen is, like, just from using it, like, you can see, like, little indents from my fingernails or whatever. Like, it, you know, I don't have long fingernails. I don't even know where it came from. Whatever. If you go to the end of the video <laughs> at about 10 minutes, it shows the case that comes in the box, and it covers it covers everything, basically. So, oh, it, yeah, there is some Yeah, it's like a Fold, protection. like, yeah. But it's it's still not great because no. it becomes a folio. Yeah, who wants that? Uh, Someone. You probably. boys laugh. Folios are stupid popular among cases. I know cases. they are. I just don't. I'm not laughing. I'm saying that this is literally the only way. Yeah. To keep that plastic screen. Oh yeah. Even Other than a sleeve. Yeah. Scratch or like dent free. And even then, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust it. This sounds like it's cool, but it it, it would like I want it really bad, but it would be like 100. Yeah. I would love just, to try this. I, I would love to try this. I wouldn't daily drive it. Like it wouldn't, I don't think this would survive like real life. Like, I mean, all. LG has released a rollable OLED TV, but it's like $20,000. Well, and that stays so. like stationary. Your, yeah. It's in your house. Like, how are you going to the beach with this? Like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, mean, I like, wouldn't even go to the beach with my fold. Never I mind. don't. Yeah. I'm not even a beach person but like i look at this and i'm like well i can't go camping with it can't go to the beach with it can't i guess maybe i can go to the park maybe but i gotta be real careful like it's the perfect covid phone because (laughs) just it's a massive screen and you can't leave the house with it (laughs) so releasing it in the middle of 2021 would have been perfect and then after that it's just it's just bad news well and after they got used to it they would move their life to accommodate around it being just so freaking fragile yeah you just don't go outside anymore yeah. Right. You become agoraphobic. <laughs> you stop talking to your family. It's just it's a whole nightmare situation here. All right. Let's uh, let's end the show. I I want you to walk me off this Apple Watch Ultra Ledge. Will I'm not actually going to buy it. It's like you, no over a thousand dollars Canadian. Yeah. But I really like this thing. I've been looking at reviews. It. I think it's quite attractive. I like that orange accent all around. Um, I love the idea of wearing an Apple Watch that lasts like three days. If I was an iPhone user and I had the money to splash, I think I would pick this up. What about you? I have an iPhone next to me. I do use an Apple Watch when I'm using an iPhone. That that $800 price tag USD, like I, 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 God, I don't know. I'd have to like see it in person. Like I'm not sold on how big it is, to be honest, which, which is weird because I usually like big watches, but this thing is huge. But on the other hand, I, I do like the rugged look of it. If it actually came in like, they sell the regular watch in 41 and 45 millimeter. If they did this in like 45 and 49, I might actually get the 45. It's so ridiculously big. Oh, oh. like, Ara, you it literally, I don't think you big. could wear this. It's like, it would be, <laughs> I yeah, don't no, know if the strap I make, would I make fit. The trick, I make the omnitrix joke on a lot of things. I would look like a 10 year old wearing this thing. 
It's so big. <laughs> it's cool, though. I like the band. I like the rugged look of it. But just God, like, I still don't know who it's for other than people like us who look at a big, <laughs> cool thing and be like, well, I want the big, cool thing. It's got long battery life. If you're not going hiking every single day for eight hours, it sounds like it'll last like more than two days on a single charge, which is which is great. Although I can't imagine wearing this thing to bed <laughs> with how big it is. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of walking you off the, the ledge, Daniel, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's pretty cool, to be honest with you. You use an iPhone, what, like once a month for like each year? Like you should not. One, yeah, probably a month or two a year. Yeah, I would say probably don't spend eight hundred dollars or sorry a, th- a thousand plus canadian loonies and toonies on uh yeah just i'm gonna go to the apple store and just spend it all in coins <laughs> they'll, they'll i know me. what i'm saying i live I, I i live close enough i know i'm just talking about dollar coins i do wonder if they would accept it uh That's, it's they'd a, be mad it's eleven hundred dollars here it's a lot of money yeah it is cool though I want to hear from people listening, though. Like, what do you think of the Apple Watch Ultra? Because I'm genuinely curious about, like, there aren't a lot of solutions for Android users when it comes to, like, I mean, there are Garmin's and there's the Sunto 7 and a couple of a couple of rugged uh, Wear OS watches. Well, and there's the, the uh, Watch well, 5 Pro. And I mean, there's uh, the... Not really. I know. I, I have it. I used Your it. Your review stated otherwise. Well, this is what I'm going to... This is what I wish... This is what that was like. I really do, because at least then I could be like, well, I get why it's, you know, instead the, the pro is just kind of like their their nicer watch this year. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, no. we also have once the TicWatch Pro 3 series can get Wear OS 3.5, I'd be very interested to see how that does with the newer software plus having the hybrid display. So that way it and you have a slightly better battery life while still having an always on clock. Doesn't make the sensors on that thing any more accurate. True. It's not, they're also, not very like, good. Also, no offense to TickWatch, I don't think this is their fault, but like those watches were supposed to get, they announced this in summer 2021. Like, I mean, I don't, it's, I, it's just, I don't know what's it's going on. It's, it's, not, it's not their fault. It's Samsung's fault. It's not, it's not their fault. I know, but like. It's not Samsung's fault either. I guarantee you this is not Samsung's fault. I have, I, I, it is 100% Samsung getting into a deal with Google. I was going to say, it's a deal with Google uh, to help develop Wear OS 3. Yeah. They almost certainly got an exclusivity period. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm betting that ended in the summer because we got the Montblanc 3. We like, do, yeah. and we know that it's not ended. even that much better. So No, I'm, I'm willing to bet that for like updating existing watches, a lot of that was on Google. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right, we're going to end it there. Yeah, Daniel's um, got to go to the Apple store. <laughs> I, I'm going to go get all my loonies and toonies. <laughs> it's going to be a very busy next few weeks, so stay tuned to the Android Police Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, send it to us, podcast at androidpolice.com. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg. Uh, you can find Jules at Point Jules. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of us at androidpolice.com uh, for more of Will's spicy takes. Uh, they, they're, they're coming hot and heavy uh, these days. Um, and uh, yeah, hope everybody has a great week. Until then. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.